Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal, co-host Catherine Brandt, Tom Ryan, Andy Rampernard and Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back with the new schedule for Thursday's Car Selling Secrets. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We're going to car sell a secret at the very beginning <laughs> with Tom Ryan and me. Dougie. All right, we've got something really exciting. If you're a technician in the Twin Cities area, we're having a hiring fair next week. Here's the cool part. It's in a bar. That's right. Joe Sensors, which is right next to our Toyota store, which is a funny thing about that. Everybody knows where Sensors is. I have to tell them the Toyota store is right next to Sensors. Just tell them where the rusty scupper used to be. Right, where the scupper (laughs) used to be. Uh, It's Tuesday, August 13th from 3.30 to 7.30 p.m., Wings and Wurtz. It'll be uh, talking about all from entry-level text to master text. There's signing bonuses, interview, all kinds of stuff. If you want more information, you can always reach out to me directly at Doug at Walzer.com. Magnificent. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. You're not a very good backup singer. Yeah, I'm a lead singer, not a backup singer. <laughs> I can do doo-wop, doo-wop, 
I could do that. I should get you in the studio and we'll dub in some backup vocals. That would be on this thing. That would be fun. Well, we could do that. Our special guest is an old friend of mine, Tom Ryan. He happens to be Paul and Andrew's cousin, probably one of the best car salesmen I've ever met. Wow. And I do a little work for him on the side. He has a sales training company where he teaches uh, dealer groups all over North America that are interested in becoming one-price uh, selling dealers. But there's more. There's more? He's also a huge... How can there be more? He's a huge <laughs> book collector and Ooh, a great storyteller. So I'm just going to wind him up. And he actually knows a lot of people that you know. This story is really centered around Jack Jablonski. Because Tom's kids went to school oh, with okay. him, and he stepped in after the accident. I'll turn it over to you to tell this story. Wow, thanks, Doug. Um, you know, it, it takes back uh, takes me back a little ways because I think it was I'm trying to remember, but I think it was in December of 2010 when Jack got hurt right before the new year. Mm-hmm. And so I had three kids that went to BSM, Benilde St. Margaret. My oldest had already graduated. One was in Jack's class, Michael and Ellie, a couple of years younger. And so when Jack got hurt, it, it really kind of rocked. It rocked the whole community, yeah. I would say, uh, more so than just BSM. It was kind of the alignment of uh, the perfect storm. And I remember um, after the holiday, I, I actually had never met Jack or Mike or Leslie Jablonski. And yet my kids were so shaken by this, they came to me literally in tears and said, you know, I don't think Jack will ever walk again. And is there anything we can do to help? And so I said, well, you know, nobody's going to write a check to make Jack walk again. And so the question is, how do we kind of accommodate the family and and make things a little easier? And so I got to thinking, I was actually at the health club working out, and I thought, well, an easy one to lay up in the car business would be, It's not likely Jack's coming home uh, in anything other than a wheelchair at that point. So I called my cousins, Paul and Andrew, and said, you know, would you put up some money? And I called uh, Maury Wagner, who's a wonderful man. He owned the Maury's Automotive Group. He threw in some money. And I called David Luther and uh, combined, I bet they threw in $100,000 or so. Mm -hmm. And we went and bought Jack a... uh, Honda van and had it all accessed for handicap, which to this day, I think he's still driving. That's and great. yeah, it was, it was pretty cool that everybody, the community kind of stepped up. So as I was thinking, I've collected books, gosh, for 30, 40 years, and um, I've got thousands of them at home. And so I told my uh, wife, I said, you know, I will reach out to some of the authors, and if they're willing to sign books, I will donate them and we'll see if we can raise some money. So I got home on a Saturday and I asked my wife who would, she's wonderful. She has all the stationery, all the fancy stuff that a guy would never have. And I said, so can I get a nice piece of stationery, a card, and I'm going to write a note. And she said, who are you going to write it to? And I said, "Uh, Harper Lee. And she said, well, good luck with that. Love it. And so literally I went online to try to do a little research to find out where Harper Lee lived. And the answer was I really couldn't find anything. I tracked her sister down to Monroeville, Alabama. So I I wrote a note explaining what I was attempting to do. I addressed it Harper Lee, Monroeville. I picked the middle of three zip codes, no address, (laughs) and fired this thing off. And so... A hope and a prayer. That is a hope and a prayer. Yeah. uh, About three weeks went by, and and I'll never forget, Saturday I came home, pulled up, opened the mailbox, 
and there was a letter from a law office. And of course, I went, God Uh-oh. damn it, now what? <laughs> um, <laughs> Not again. Yeah, what a Doug do now? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Who's after me? Uh-huh. And uh, I opened it, and it was a letter from uh, Bug, Barnett, Carter, and Lee, which was the law offices that Harper Lee's father founded, who was the Atticus Finch in oh, the right, actual yeah. book. And right. so it was from a woman named Tanya Carter. And she said, um, Nell was moved by your story, but has been out of the public eye for 60 years wow. and doesn't sign books any longer. However, if you would enclose a letter from his priest or principal and send it with the books, she'd be happy to sign them. Oh, my God. That's phenomenal. And so I sent off. So at this point, I, I didn't know the Jablonskis, so I thought I better check in to see how they're going to feel about <laughs> exactly. this particular idea. And so I called Mike Jablonski. Nice and inter- He's a wonderful man. And so we've become really good friends. And literally, he was very moved to tears that she would do this for him. And so that. I packaged up all the T-shirts, not that... Nell and Alice, her sister, who's 102 years old, who was her attorney, um, <laughs> and they lived together. And so I sent all of this stuff down with the books, and it took months, literally, to get these back. And in the interim, um, I had kind of befriended uh, Tanya, and over the years, we became very good friends. And at one point, she knew that I traveled all the time and asked if I was ever in Alabama. And I said, Sure. I'm never in Alabama. But um, in this case, I would always be in Alabama. And so anyway, she said, how would you like to come down and have lunch with Nell? And, oh, my God. How great is that? Yeah. And so literally, she said, well, I, so we set up a date. And she said, why don't you fly into Mobile and then drive to a little town called Atmore. And when you get to Atmore, send me a note. And I'm like, Yeah, exactly. Like, how about just telling us? Carrier pigeon? Yeah, right. And so I I emailed her, actually via my phone, when I got to Atmore, which was an hour and a half drive, I would say, out of Mobile. And she said, great, now come to Monroeville, and there's a Walmart. And when you get there, send me another text. And I'm like, come on. A little secretive. Yeah, exactly. So now I get there, and... Through this, um, now when I get to the Walmart, she says, come to the center of town. And it's just like the movie. The courthouse sits in the center of town. And she said, go all the way around the square. There's a nondescript brick building. And there is a door there. And I'll meet you there in 15 minutes. And I'm like, good God. Um, So anyway, I do. And it's the office of... giving ransom. (laughs) Yeah. It it turns out it's the office of Bug Barnett, Carter, and Lee. And so Nell is not there. We go in there and she said, I'm waiting for a package. And I said, can't they just drop it off? And she said, you know, we don't give this address to anybody. She said, we've had people uh, impersonate postal, UPS, Uh, everything trying to get to uh, Nell. So she said, I'm, let's wait 15 minutes. And so she walked me into Nell's office and said, why don't you just have a seat? And, and so she was in the next room, and I kind of yelled to her and said, is there anything off limits? And she said, no. And I said, then I'm going to put this medal on, which was the Medal of Freedom given to her by President Bush. And it was oh. sitting in a cabinet right there. <laughs> and so I, I had to squeeze myself to sort of say, gosh, you know, how did this all happen? So anyway, we went over and met with Nell. And she was, at that time, your typical 
800-year-old, five-foot lady <laughs> with a bad $8 haircut. Um, and so it's one of those things that you want to be careful about meeting your heroes because yeah. here's yeah. a sure. um, an older woman um, who obviously very, very successful. And um, at that time, they were going through a whole bunch of issues about whether or not Tanya was kind of uh, elder abuse issues oh. that were actually oh, opened really? up. Yeah, because no one could get access to Nell. She had a new book that was published called mm-hmm. Go Set a Watchman. Right. And so it was, a, it was a really interesting kind of time. I had obviously, she sent me a copy, signed copy of Go Set a Watchman as well for oh. Christmas the year it came out, which I can't That's imagine amazing. there's many of those. And she sound, signed just a whole bunch of books. One of the unique things through this is she had asked for a, a photo book of Jack. And when I got down there, the Jablonskis had put it together and it was on Harper Lee's mantle. Oh, God, how great. And I thought, how cool is that? And so anyway, sort of to finish it up, I got back to her office, and I asked her, and I said, Tanya, how how did it happen that I happened to end up in Monroeville in (laughs) Nell Harper Lee's office? And she J- said, "JD oh. Solinger was busy." <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Busy. And so I, uh, women. I uh, said, "She said, well, come here, I'll show you.'" And so we walked down the hallway, and there was kind of a two-foot-long box by maybe a foot and a half, foot and a half high, and it was completely full of mail. And she said, "This is one week's mail. We get somewhere around a hundred thousand pieces a year." Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. she said, "I've been here seventeen years, and it's my job to." take care of this. And I said, so you respond to them. And she said, well, go ahead and ask me how many I've responded to. And I said, let me have it. And she said, in the 17 years, I've responded to one. And that's yours. Really? One. And why? And she said, we get... he's a good get... salesman. He yeah, wrote yeah, a hell of a good <laughs> Honest to God, I have no idea. She walked by, she said, and she reached down in the box the only time ever, op- picked one out, opened it, it was mine. Oh, my God. She had a nephew that had been paralyzed a year earlier, oh, and I so think it connected. And yeah. she said, I don't open them because they're mostly kind of hard luck stories. Sure. And yeah. it would be overwhelming. And so <coughs> yep. you are, she said, you are the first and only one that we have ever responded to. That's amazing. That's a wonderful story. And I thought, wow. And so then I reached out to uh, John Grisham. I reached out to Stephen King, uh, Andrew Gross, uh, John Krakauer, your friend, Vince Flynn. And I think probably 20 of them, and uh, basically, I think it was Grisham said, look, if you got Harper Lee, how could I say no? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's, so, uh, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And then I actually got, interestingly, I got an email from John wanting to buy four copies of, three copies, excuse me, of A Time to Kill. And he offered oh. me $4,000 a piece for them, his own wow. book. And I sent him back a note and said, aren't they worth more? They're signed, after all. Um, <laughs> you bumped, You tried <laughs> to bump them? I did. He didn't go for it, however. For it. No. Okay. And so uh, I got back a smiley face and a thumbs down. Okay, and, there you go. And so, but it was really an interesting, um, it, it was just kind of one of those interesting times where everything kind of aligned yeah. and then it wasn't too long after that Nell passed away right. and I had and and Tanya called me the morning to tell me that Nell had passed away which I found I was sort of imp- you know I was uh, sad but I was like wow I got a phone call letting me know uh, <laughs> some average guy in Minneapolis and so 
anyway, we've had quite a relationship, and it ended up being a great thing. And I'm very close now uh, to the Jablonskis, and it was uh, sad, but uh, I got to say, Jack, and I think maybe you guys have met him or talked to him. He's a show. remarkable kid. Great guy. I have just guy. never seen this kid in my life complain about anything. I mean, he really is. And I, I can't imagine yeah. the trauma of waking up yeah. and having no mobility. The first time I met him, he was in a halo, and it yeah. was, it Sorry, was yeah. crazy. So uh, everybody said yes but one author, which was kind of crazy that we had one. One said no. Call him out. Who was it? Uh, Cormac McCarthy. Oh, really? Yeah. And I really like No Country for Old Men, one yeah, of yeah. my favorite books. Great, right. great and book. I have uh, guys I went to high school with. Um, uh, made the movie No Fargo, No Con- the Coen Brothers. The Coen They're from Brothers, St. Louis yeah. Park. Right. And one of my really uh, pretty good friends from high school, a guy named Bob Hotman, who's an artist, was called out in the movie. So I called Bob and said, "Can you reach out to the Hotmans and or reach out to the Coens and see?" And their manager, I talked to him, who is the manager of Cormac McCarthy, and he said, "It' not likely, but I will give it a shot." He simply never responded. Oh. So I can't say that he, you know, I mean, who knows? But Maybe he's a interesting guy, I've heard. And yeah, um, well, most authors are interesting yeah. people, and no yeah. doubt about it. And it's probably hard. They get, you know, people have their hand out all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely, no, those sorts of things. So two things before we go to break. Um, number one, I, I uh, have to confess, I've had lunch with a very famous author. Bob Sansevier. So, you know, <laughs> you know. I forgot him. Yeah, you, why yeah. did you call Bob? He wrote have a at book. least got five bucks. He right. published a book. <laughs> right. An autograph. One of my favorite things about the Jablonskis, and I, I am sorry, what's Jack's younger brother's name? Uh, Matt. Matt. Yeah. Is it Matt? I think it's Matt. I think you're right. I yeah. think it's Matt. So they come into the studio. They, Jack came in the studio several times back in the day. Mm-hmm. And the first time he was in there, he Max. Made, Max. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. It's Max. You're 100% right. So they're in studio, and and Jack made a comment. And I said, you're an idiot. Like that, right? So we go to, and he starts laughing. He thinks it's wonderful. We go to break, and people came and said, why did you say that to him? I said, I'm not going to treat him any differently than everyone else. I'm going to treat him the same. And he really... Afterward, yeah, Tom treats everybody poorly. Yes, I treat everybody poorly. <laughs> Equal opportunity. It pays well. Right. Jack was kind of teary-eyed, and he said, thank you for that. He actually thanked me for, for not oh, coddling you, him. Yeah, the rest of being it. condescending to him because he's in a chair, that would be horrible. And the yeah. reason, yeah. The reason I asked Max's insulting. name is that we have him on the air, and Max at the time must not have been much more about 12, I think. Yeah, he wasn't very old. Because Jack was 16, yeah. wasn't he? So yeah. Max would have been in 12, 13, something seventh like that. Seventh grade, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So I said, Max, what's up with you? And he goes, I'm on KQRS. I've always had a dream about KQ. I said, what's that? And he goes, can we play porno movie title or not? <laughs> I think we got to oh take God. a break. we got to take a break. He actually did. And the whole family just broke out laughing. It was wonderful. Funny. We'll be right back. More with Dougie and Tom and everybody. Car selling secrets. And the rest. It's Tom Bernard with CEO Michael Bilski from North American Banking Company. Michael, we spent some time talking about your free app and money transfer service, XCheck, which is just great, by the way. You can transfer money to your kid to travel home from college and lots of other uses. I got wind of another service you provide at North American Banking Company. What's this super ID I've been hearing about? Great question, Tommy. 
Super ID uses your face proof and your finger proof to keep your identity and your money secure. It's really a foolproof way to protect your family and your business from identity fraud. It's simple, fast, and oh, the best part is that it's free to our customers. Super ID, super easy, and super secure. Visit nabanco.com or see my personal banker to get the scoop on XCheck and Super ID. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. We are back. Dougie's here. Car selling secrets. Yeah, we've got a live call-in line. If anybody wants to call in with questions, comments, or criticisms, it's always available. 612-295-1526. That's 612-295-1526. We'll get to car stuff in a minute, but I, I, this book stuff is really fascinating. It so is, yeah. if you're not in the know... The, collectible, the most collectible books are first edition. So it's the first time a book gets published, and you know the run can be really small up to fairly large for a well-known author, but generally when you're starting out, they're pretty small runs. And the most collectible of first editions are ones that are signed by the author. So I think we should have Tom tell the story of why John Grisham would buy his own book that he wrote, published, and signed back from Tom for $12,000. Uh, three of them, actually. So it, it, that was an interesting story, which I, I actually went to John's office out in Charlottesville, uh, which was actually very cool. It overlooks the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains. And so it's all windows on one side. And the interesting thing about it, there's no one actually works there, but um, it's just a big it's office. Like here. Yeah, that's right. Office. Well, it's like our, our <laughs> office, right? Nobody works. But uh, be- Whoa, in the middle of the office so. <laughs> was um, he had these, I want to say there were five rooms that had glass panels on one end, open on the other with a solid wall. And he had. The furniture from uh, each one of the movies, The Chamber, The Firm, Runaway Jury, and The Client, and and such. And so he had a scene from each one of the movies set in his office, and on the wall were all of the stars during the shooting of it. Mm. And so it was a a fascinating uh, kind of thing to see. And so I asked uh, John how... He came to uh, get to me to get these books. And I met a woman uh, who owned that bookstore in Blytheville, Arkansas, because I was trying to get books signed. And uh, her name is Mary Gay. And she 
had access to Grisham, and so he was signing books for me via Mary Gay. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of those books, and so she reached out to him. He agreed to sign books for Jablonski, and then he sent me an email. And when I got the email, literally, I, I it was from John Grisham, and I thought, well, of course it is. I thought it was johngrisham.com or something yeah. Yeah. telling me he had a new— and it, it was from him saying— you know, that he had seen these books. And anyway, so I asked him how this came up. And so when he wrote A Time to Kill, which was 1989, he self-published. And he was in the House of Representatives in Mississippi, I believe, at that time. And he said with nothing to do but write, because he had lots of time and was killing it in the courthouse. And so he wrote the book, self-published, printed 5,000 copies, and he couldn't get, he made a deal with four bookstores. Mary Gay owned one of them. And the deal was that they would sell the books, and if they couldn't sell them, he had to buy them back. So the book so didn't sell. It's the same sell. deal Sansevier made. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. With, I think with uh, Quick Trip. Exactly. Which, which is why he's working four jobs. To, to, to right. <laughs> and so uh, the book did not sell. John bought it back. He put them in his garage. The garage flooded, and most of them were lost. Oh, no. And during that time, he had written a second book, which was called The Firm. And The Firm That's was sold. One. Yeah. Uh, as a movie before it was published as a book. And so he got $600,000 for it in 1992. And at that time, he was rich uh, from uh, as far as he was concerned. And then Doubleday, who published The Firm, bought the rights to A Time to Kill and republished it. And so now the original first edition books... Like Doug said, the first edition, first printing are always worth the most money. Mm -hmm. And so those books became hard to get, Mm -hmm. and he had none of them. And the ironic thing is actually dust jackets are worth more than books are. Is that right? Yeah, by far. And so, yeah, so what happened was uh, recently I saw in an auction of first edition Gadsby jacket, which sold for $192,000. Um, (laughs) And so what happened was the first books that were published were generally went out to libraries and Mm. they discarded jackets because they were kind of a pain in the ass and they'd get ripped and not up. And so when you have a a small run like To Kill a Mockingbird, 5,000 of those books were printed in July of 1960. Uh, Most of the jackets probably are a significant number of them went away. And yeah. so that was part of the yeah. challenge, actually, for uh, doing the thing with Jack was finding first edition, first printings with all of the jackets, mm-hmm. which I went out. I, I bought hundreds and hundreds of books um, to send off to all these because I, I sent complete series to all of the authors to have them signed. You're lucky you got them back. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, it, you know, it's a passion, so it didn't seem sure. like much work to me. It seemed like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's how uh, the Grisham thing came about. And so, really, it was, uh, I, I remember it, it was tragic for Jack, um, probably good for the world, so to speak. A lot of eyes on spinal cord research, sure. money raised, and the stars aligned, and Jack got picked, unfortunately. But they couldn't have picked a better representative to... And he's had some improvement, from what I understand, mm-hmm. hasn't yeah, he? Uh, yeah, uh, Catherine and I mm-hmm. were talking during the break about every now and then you do see he, something about yeah. Jack wiggling his toes, or he'll get a little more movement yeah. in his arms. And so yeah, I think th- that's a big thing, though, to be able to get a little movement in your arms. Sure to be able to become self-sufficient. And so there are quads 
Um, I think he was a C5. Um, and so I think there are quads that uh, live pretty good, normal lives, self-sufficient, live on their own, drive, do all of those sure. things. So uh, nobody's given up hope on Jack, I think. No, I, and they never he's, – he's a very – well, as you said, the entire family, really, really class people all the way, high-quality human beings. And Jack is just – from the very first time I ever met him, all those years, God, it's almost 10 years yeah. already. Oh, God. Yeah, it's amazing. But he was in a great mood. First of all, I mean, here's a kid. He's, what, 17? He's in a wheelchair. Got the greatest attitude of anybody I ever met. He's just like, hey, how you doing? I love your show. And he's just talking about how, how he loves the show. I'm like, really? <laughs> just a wonderful family. But, you know, you can tell by the parents that that, that was going to happen. Good parenting, really good parents. Yeah, just a interesting situation, and I think it was, it was way bigger than Benilde or Minneapolis. It sort of it got oh, a lot, yeah. of, lot of attention. It Bruce did. Springsteen flew in, mm-hmm. met with him. Did he uh, really? Yeah, yeah, I have a picture of uh, the boss with Jack, and I think Gretzky came, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were a lot of big eyes on this on that second. supported it. Springsteen came to town and... Uh, Picking you know, up he, some of the names you're dropping yeah. on the floor. <laughs> I don't, I don't know these people, but uh, but those are big names to get that oh, kind yeah. of attention. Yeah. Sure. You know who, Spring, who Springsteen hung out with when he came to town after that? Mm-mm. Kevin McHale. Really? Yeah, wow. Boston. Played for the South. Oh, oh yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So, and he, oh. you know, he, oh. to, to Springsteen, McHale's an East Coast guy. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, that, see, that's what people should do. You know, you're that famous, you're that wealthy, you're that well-loved, or at least well-liked. Right. Well, I, and I, I did, I believe, you know, my approach to getting that was, look, if you can sign your name to something and help some, significantly help somebody's life, I think you should. Absolutely. If you're a public figure, you know, like yep. Vince, you know, most of them were, quite frankly, thrilled to help. And so. Great Vince story for you. We go to uh, New Canaan, Connecticut for Christmas. Mitch Dolan was the president of ABC at the time. Yeah. He loved what we're going to get. Christmas him. with Letterman? Isn't that where he lived? Yeah, he, he well, used to. Well, we were to, there yeah. for <clears throat> Christmas. It was around the holidays. I did say before Christmas. Okay. That's what I did say. Right. Stop fighting. Anyway, <laughs> no. we were there. So we go to New Canaan and had dinner with Mitch Dolan and Franny, his lovely wife. And then... Uh, dirty bastard that used to own the station. He was there. Yeah. And uh, Brian Williams and, and Kate Williams, Brian Williams from N- NBC, and Vince and Lisa Flynn flew out with Catherine and me, right? So Mitch says to him, before we leave Minneapolis, he goes, Vince, I, I know I barely know you, but you and you know Tom are good friends. So could I ask you, a couple of the neighbors would like you to sign a book when you come to dinner. He goes, oh, yeah, not a problem. Don't worry about it. I'll, oh. I'll sign whatever you need, right? So we get there and we're, you know, they're having drinks and a glass of wine or whatever. And Vince said, Well, if you want me to sign those books, I can do that right now. He goes, Yeah, they're in my office right here. Walks in, there are 50 books. That- yeah. <laughs> Vince was gone for like two hours. Vince was gone for two hours. He missed the whole dinner party. Let me ask you a question about that because I understand personalized books don't sell as well as ones that just are signed. Is that correct? Yeah, so interesting. So it depends on, like, I actually oh, still okay. have a book. Uh, so uh, Nell Harper Lee signed one to John Grisham. And so, oh, okay. um, so she liked to a him. Famous person, yeah. So if you're John be... Grisham and it's signed, yeah. it's good. So I uh, also sent a book from D- Dougie. You're the one that sort of turned me on to James oh, Lee. Oh, James Burke. Lee Burke. And oh, so I love James Lee Burke. James Lee Burke signed a, uh, several books to Harper Lee. 
So, so they were inscribed. This so this is how I find out that Tom is a book collector. So right. I, I had gotten turned on to James Lee Burke, read a whole bunch of his books. If you're it, The guy is, uh, the protagonist is a retired uh, New Orleans uh, police detective, recovering alcoholic, living out on the bayou, and solves all these murder mysteries. It feels a little like Longmire, actually, the mm-hmm. way those books are written. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so I tell Tom, and I give him a couple, couple of them, and... About a month later, I come into my little cube at the old corp, and there's four signed books from James Lee Burke and a note from Tom. Thanks so much. Really enjoy this guy. I said, how did you do that? (laughs) I had no idea you were a book collector until I was... And thanks. In fact, Sarah's reading one of them right now. She says, can I read the signed one? I said, yeah, just don't scribble out the signature. Right. That would be good. Wear it with gloves. She's the daughter of a librarian, so she'll, she'll take good care of it. I don't know. That that whole thing. Catherine and I are battling right now because I've got a ton of books up in the attic and she wants to give them all the goodwill. No, don't. I mean, so it's interesting. Sometimes <laughs> those are the books that no. show up all over no. from thrift is... shops that somebody has an original Alice in Wonderland that yeah. they don't. I mean, no, that, things. I, I, I know enough to look through them and I pull out anything that might be of any interest yeah, most of it's like if you stretching across, for athletes. <laughs> and, it is not. Yeah, you know, just dumb stuff. It's just, it is not. That one's yeah, never a lot happened. of it's crap. <laughs> right. A lot of it's just, I don't even the know. The Swan by Aldous Huxley. Do not give that one away. Please. Oh, I gave that one away. Right. I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. Probably long gone. That's the standing joke at our house is my kids will be lined up at half-price books when I die. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll sell you this for $10. Right, right. yeah. They'll all be gone. $10, they give you about a buck, right. I think. I, I, books to me still, and it, Tom, it's kind of sad to me that books are not what they used to be. People do not like to hold a book. Anymore. I hate reading Kindle. Yeah, I, I like I'm, to hold I'm with the you. book in my hand and read it. Yeah, I but love they take it. up so much room. <laughs> but there's something oh. about the smell, the feel, yeah. the, everything no about a, a hard, and I like hardcover books. I do too. And yep. so I'm, uh, you know, I think it's great, but uh, the Kindle and people are probably reading more as a result of Absolutely. it. But, probably. I don't, um, know. I don't know if they are. I hope, much, yeah, um, I well, hope so. You carry too. around a, you know, a hardcover book traveling, it's heavy. Yeah. You know. Oh my yeah, God! It makes you, you look smart baby. compared to a Kindle. <laughs> yeah, I just bought all of Gene Shepard's books, but they were only available in, in uh, paperback. I had all the hardcovers back. I don't know whatever happened on my hardcover versions. They're probably up issue. in the library, sitting but, yeah, right there. Gene Shepard was, I guess, most famous for a Christmas story uh, book that he wrote, and then he narrated a lot of things. Um, wrote a lot for Playboy back in the day when Playboy actually had Anson Mount wrote for Playboy. Well, they had a lot of writers. A lot of great writers. Published a lot of famous <clears throat> so it did, authors, right? too. Yeah. yeah, they did. Absolutely, they did. But uh, if you've never read Gene Shepard Beyond A Christmas Story, I, ju- I just bought them again last week, and it's just, man, that guy's funny. But uh, East Chicago, he, he grew up in East Chicago, uh, which is in Indiana. It's amazing. Was that? Did he write... Do patent leather shoes really reflect up? Yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> the Catholics and what, the... Have you ever read them, Tom? No, I haven't. They, the Catholics Great couldn't story. go on the sidewalk because yes. the public school, the, they, yep. they were the taxpayers and the Catholics. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't the, come uh, on the, side. the Christmas story was, was originally a short story, right? Yeah. It was all about the Red Ryder BB gun. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Exactly My right. uncle was a big Gene Shepard fan. Oh, I, I used love to, Gene Shepard. And they had some, I, they weren't audiobooks at the time, but I think there was just re- radio recordings of him reading his 
his own stuff. Yeah, absolutely. He did. He read yeah. them all. And, and I'll, I'll ruin one short story for you to try to kind of write this, guys. So it'll ruin the sh- story for you, but it's a short story. So. It's called The uh, the Blind Date is the name of the story. And you read the whole thing about these friends contacted him and said, we want a blind date. And he goes, I don't want to go on a blind date. I've never met this woman. I don't want to do Or girl. He was a teenager. I've never met the girl. I don't want to go on a blind date. I just don't want to do that. And it goes on a little bit about how he finally agrees, okay, I'll go on the blind date. And they go out. And he meets the blind date, and she's this very pretty young woman, very smart, great manners and the rest of it. And the end, the last paragraph, he realizes he is the blind date. <laughs> it's a great story. I mean, it's you're the stiff here, pal. Right. Not her. <laughs> it That's was so, so great. Oh, what a great story. We've got to take a break, Pally. All right, we'll be right back after these exciting uh, announcements from our sponsors. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Our studio line is open, 612-295-1526. We should probably talk some automotive stuff, as the first two segments have been book world, which I think is a fascinating story. It's a book called The Red Ferrari. So there we go. (laughs) Now we're in. Just don't have a book in your hand while driving. That's, yes. That's right. Yeah, that. Don't do that. At least not a Kindle. So here's my question <laughs> for Tom. Now. And Tom started out selling cars like most of us did accidentally in our early 20s. And there's very few of us that were actually good at it. And Tom was one of the best and uh, really a, a great negotiating car salesman. Why did you, what got you to the whole one price business model? Because that's the total opposite of the way we grew up and the way we were trained. Yes, our, it, our our old job used to be to make as much money as humanly possible, really, whether it was even ethical or not. Yeah, so it's interesting. So when it was first introduced to us, you know, I started with the Walzer Automotive Group back in the late 70s. So back then, Paul and I were roommates as well. 
And so he was my boss. So pity all the women in the Twin Cities back in those days. It was horrible. A lot of bad behavior. Um, No, out of Paul? Yeah, no. Couldn't happen. Um, And so literally, I'm not sure whether I chose the industry or it chose me, but nonetheless, my father was a partner of Jack's for a long time. And in 2000, that's when Paul and Andrew decided to go down the road of upfront pricing. And I was the director of training and had been for a number of years. And I I really wasn't terribly hip to it because I thought it would change or wreck kind of everything. Um, I I think with the Internet and the information that's available today, I'm not sure it's our choice. I think it's consumer-driven. And so when I look at it, I think it's that their customers aren't willing to tolerate the stuff that we once did. And if it's not fast, simple, easy, I don't think most people do it. I look at, you know, you, we, you and I traveled recently to Toronto to work with a group. And think how little interaction we have with anyone on everything we do. So when I buy airline tickets to checking in, to checking into the hotel, to getting the rental cars, you just don't talk to anybody. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen fast and easy... Um, I don't. I think customers are shying away from it, and that's why I think, um, predominantly in the used car world, with the compression of the margins as a result of the search criteria, if you're not on the first page of a Google search, the answer is people don't find you. The old adage is there a page two, and the answer is nobody knows, and so nobody looks past whatever that first page is, and so in order to do that, margins have been compressed in order to simply get the visibility. And now with millennials, um, everything in our world, you know, it's, I have a, a client out in Portland, and when I, I take the train from the airport downtown, that's where they are, I have a Safeway app. The groceries beat me to the hotel. Wow. You know, I mean, and, yeah. and that 10 years ago really wasn't a thought no. very much. And so Speaking of that, changes. I didn't ask you this question. So when we were in Toronto, we were the, Tom was there for a week, and I was there for three days kind of watching him and learning. After one session, he goes, hey, let's swing by the grocery store. I want to pick up a few things. He buys three containers of yogurt, uh, two packets of pre-made Jello, yep. and two cans of Ready Whip. Yeah, and edamame. Right. <laughs> and what what for diet real? is that? Well, it's you know what? I have such a – you know I'm in the program, so I've yes. been dry for 39 years. And so I have a bit of a sweet tooth, I think, from – the absence of the 40 years worth of alcohol that I actually consumed in the first 20 years of my life. Um, and so along with everything else that made its way in there. Um, yeah, but I have just a hell of a sweet tooth. And yet I'm trying not to be as big as a house. And I travel, you know, almost every day. And so I've had 80 some trips this year so far. And so it's, yeah, I should I mean, you stuck some edamame in there. I did. So I did. Actually, good. I'm usually pretty good about it, but I love sweets. Yeah. And so I'm trying not yeah. to do is so the the I jello know it was and some stuff. sort of psychotic. No, <laughs> no. It just you know what? It doesn't have a lot of calories, and it's not terribly awful for you. Right. Okay. Right. And so that's, that's kind true. of. And I actually like yogurt. I, so. I do too. I I just it's the yeah. <laughs> but it was interesting. So we were. Um, Um, With the whole one price thing, you know, we're working with a group up in Toronto, which is the, I mean, to get your arms around it, they're the largest Porsche dealer in the world. In Toronto? In Toronto. Hmm. 
uh, largest huge. McLaren dealer How do they afford it? in Trump. Oh my god! Eighty percent taxes. Thirteen <laughs> uh, percent sales tax on a car. Oh, yeah. Is that real? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. gotta hurt. But I mean, to give you an idea, we have a little Porsche store down in uh, Wichita, and it sells five or six new cars. They did one hundred and forty-seven new Porsches last month. So oh, that's god. unbelievable for that market. It's just an unbelievable market up there. People and don't so know. I think it's all changing. People don't know Toronto's bigger than Chicago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fourth largest city in uh, North America. In North America. Yeah, yeah. we haven't yeah. been there in probably 20 years. We wouldn't even recognize it, I'm no. sure. No, no, You anymore. should learn to speak Mandarin if you're going. Yeah, so all of our really? propaganda yeah. is really? I in thought Mandarin. it was just a bunch of old drunk hockey players, you know, slugging no. down maple syrup. I'm like, wow, there's people here from all over the world. How did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, so it's so the whole one price thing really. Uh, what's interesting for Walzer is that I grew up in what I would consider a fairly small community in Minneapolis, um, and I've always looked at the car business as being slow and kind of ass backwards. Um, and the reality is, they're re- really, really solid business people that are great at uh, a complex sales process, selling highly non-differentiated products. And when you look at people like Walzer and Dougie, you've had a little so bit of... So what he's saying is that our Corollas are exactly the same as everybody yeah. else's Corollas. And so the question is, how do you create the specialness and the differentiation in something that's not highly different? And I think the Walzers have... They really do a great job of bringing that to the market. Uh, uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul is the hotbed for one-price selling. Well, um, and you have to give yourself some of the credit. So this is what happened in 2010, 11? Oh, Maury's. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Ouch. there was a little conflict at the Walzer Automotive Group, and Tom said, F that, and Maury's had been recruiting him. So he went and taught Maury's how to be a one-price dealer. And so that, uh, and they've been, they did a really good job with it. It's, yeah. Uh, uh, and 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 others have fallen suit in this market, but that's very unusual across the country. Usually, there's only one kind of lone soldier, right? You know, battling the tides. But I, I, you know, interestingly, Carl's now a partner, yeah, with the Walzer Automotive Group. Who Carl Schmidt was running the Maury's Automotive Group, and so they've kind of everyone came together. Everything in the family end was kind of mended, but. I think it's uh, driven by forward thinking. I think Maury's, I think Walzer, I think are really on the forefront of something that's the phone's ringing more than it's ever rang in my world about people wanting to make their car buying experiences different and easier for people. It's people are just tired of the back and forth, the BS, mm-hmm. and it just, it doesn't need to be that way. Oh. And now you can buy a car at Walzer in less than an hour. And and you're protected, you can't buy the wrong car, the prices are clearly marked, the people aren't paid on commission, so they price their cars, not their customers. And if you ended up buying one, you can return it. And so there is no cooling off period in the state of Minnesota. But with oh. Walzer, they you're protected. And so well, I can actually, send Catherine's my daughter. Actually, a realtor. So in your world, there is. So the way the the Not trigger closing. is if you do <laughs> if you do business at somebody's home, yes. there is a three day cooling, cooling off period. period. If you go to somebody's place of business under Minnesota law, there, there is not. And oddly enough, if you look on the internet, there's a lot of people that think they're attorneys and understand all this, but they they don't. Right. So. So it's interesting. I think the Walzers have been ahead of that. The protection it uh, 
yields me is the idea that I could simply send my youngest daughter to a dealership. And I always say, Ellie, my youngest, is kind of $10,000 waiting to happen. Um, at a dealership, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she she would just get put together, not because she's a dumb kid, because she simply is an unaware consumer at 21 years old. Sure. Uh, with Walzer, the answer is nothing bad can happen. And I love that right. uh, for everybody to be able to go in there. So if Doug's a great negotiator and Catherine's not, they get the same price. And right. so it's, it, I, I always dislike the idea of pricing the customer more than the car. So depending on your inability to negotiate, we would simply take advantage of that. Yeah, in the old days when I sent friends and it's like, okay, if Bill isn't there, run. Yeah, get the hell out. (laughs) Um, And today, you don't have to worry about anything. Well, I don't anyway, because for the last 10 years, here's how it works for me. Doug, hey, Tom, you should buy this car. Me. Okay. That's <laughs> well, only been for the last 10 years. That's but that's the been. trust and confidence right. that they don't that, have most everywhere right. else. You're and so, right. Well, I don't know about trust. It is Doug. <laughs> there you, know. you go. Well, I think with the whole world becoming more of an a la carte and everything being so convenient for people, you know, on the Internet, and you can, like you said, groceries at your hotel door before you even right. get there, people just don't want to put up with any sort of haggling anymore. No. It's just not... Uh Uh-oh, Alex is here. It used to be kind of a sport and kind of fun for some people. And it still is for some people. There's a a percentage of the population that loves to do that. Alex? Not me. Not for a car. Are you a Harper Lee fan? I thought you were. To Kill a Mockingbird? He met her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should listen to this podcast because <laughs> the first two yeah, segments are all about book collecting. Oh my god, it was Hold a great on. story. Yeah, Alex, you, you have to listen to it. It was a great story. Even Andy got excited. I lo- I saw it. So I have one Did more he? bad thing to tell you about Tom. <laughs> Which Tom? That Tom. Oh, I thought you were talking about tell that Tom about this. He's Tom. buddies with Shelby. Oh god, oh, yeah, I, Tom. I, I like oh, I love a great guy. Tom Yeah, he's Shelby. a great guy. He is a really great guy. Very well educated. I miss giving him so much crap. I know. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, one thing about when he Don just... was on this podcast several years ago, nobody liked to drop the F bomb more than Don. Oh, oh god. Whoa. <laughs> his, yeah. nick, his nickname was Don F U Shelby. <laughs> so interesting. So I met him at the health club originally, the one I work out at, and He's got ink on his back and ears are pierced. And yeah, no, I mean, you know, you're used to seeing him on the news, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Yeah, he really this out. So yeah, I, I the first think time I really met him was doing this guy. six or seven years ago, whenever it was, and mm-hmm. he start he, he was sitting where Cassie was, and I'm looking at him, and he's starting to talk to me and ask me questions. I'm like, Oh, I'm not watching TV. I'm supposed <laughs> to say something. It was just yeah. the TV's talking feeling. back That's to you. Right. Yeah. It's like Miss Jean's romp room. I see. It's your birthday. Yeah. How did you, you know, know he that? was there during the, the, again, was the perfect timing for him. The money ran out. It did. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It changed. And you're so right. uh, that job isn't what it was That's right. during Don's no, tenure. No, I mean, well, Paul Don's Majors and Don, and Don Shelby were probably the last two that collected the big dough. Yeah. I don't know. Frank and Amelia probably do pretty well, but not I'm like sure that. No, those were million-dollar jobs. They were. Yeah, then. they were a million, million and a half, something like that. Absolutely. They, they were. still are. It's just every, you can only get paid every 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much a news anchor job pays now. I don't know. I, I watch the news. I'm like, who are all these people? There's a new person on yeah, every 15 minutes. I'm I'll, like, I'll, what I'll give you a tip off why that is, though. Why? And it's actually a mistake because... <laughs> In television, the the numbers should actually be forty to eighty, not 
18 to 49. It's ridiculous that those are the numbers they're looking for on television. The average person watching broadcast television, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, the average age of a person watching those shows is 59 years old. Really? Now, that sounds bad. It sounds like, oh, that's too old. 55-plus Americans hold $231 trillion dollars. Yeah, we assets. got all the dough. <laughs> it's true. Right. That's and where all the money is. we're not giving you any. So get off our lawn, Alex. <laughs> but, but television has totally mishandled that. They do not understand how to handle that audience, and I don't know why. Well, what's interesting to me is, it, you know, well, of course, journalism isn't even journalism anymore well, for the most that. part. Local news, I think, still is pretty much. But um, it used to be the trusted news source. And to trust somebody, you need to know them, and they need to yeah. have some longevity That's true. on the right. air. And if you just keep changing out for, you know, what is it, anchors.temp that they do? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, they're not there true. for very long at all. You know, so weird about Don Shelby. I, I, I am an odd human being in that people send me things, and I open them like five years later. I don't know. It just happens. Even like mine. <laughs> Not yours. All Christmas presents. All Christmas presents. But I, I, I opened a letter I had gotten uh, from, I think it was City Pages or Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine, one of those, about an interview that I had done with him five years ago. And Don Shelby made these comments. And I had never seen the article. So five years later, I'm reading the article, and Don Shelby's just being the greatest guy in the world, being so nice, unbelievable. So I called him. I said, thanks, Don. He goes, for what? And I said, those things you said five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> a little late. It was very right. no, it wasn't too late. He was like, "Well, that's great. I, yeah, that's, that's wonderful." But that's nice. I do think the world of Don Shelby. He's a great guy. He is a good guy. Last time I saw him was at Frank Vassalero's mother's funeral, and Mark Rosen was there. And there's another guy I think the world of. And it's really interesting when you have a six foot six, about what two hundred and fifty pound guy that hugs you and starts crying because he misses hanging out with you. Did he smell like coffee? Rosen? Yeah. He always does. Oh, God, he drinks a lot of coffee. <laughs> he I used to do commercials with him. I'm like, wow. All right, we got to take. Is this over already? It's over. It's over already. I told you. Tom, you got to come back and talk. Do you do a podcast? You should do a podcast. You'd make a lot of dough, do. man. I'm telling you. People would love to hear it. You should do a, a podcast about books. See, you were nervous last night. Well, I get the text. I, should I, I do any preparing? You. No, you should, honestly, because right. people would love to hear your takes on all these different people you've known. The people, I mean, the fact that you even met Harper Lee is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, wow. You should think about that. Uh, I'm game. I'm it was a lot of fun. Thank we'll you see, all for having me. I'll call Paul, me. see if we can get the you know, advertiser for you. There you go. <laughs> hey, cuz. Right. Hey, cuz. How you doing? This is a show Tom for Ryan. kids with dads. Now we'll get to that later. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank great, you. Great, great. Come back soon. I'd love to have you back on talk more about this. Anytime. Doug, Happy that's to Car do Selling it. Secrets. You are a Episode hit. 20. I told you, I just bring in good guests and sit back and watch you guys do all the work. It's <laughs> Episode awesome. 20 already? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Episode 20. I've been singing that Thanks jingle. Thanks again, Tom Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> with the family.